0: another confirmation that we're on the right track with this series of messages on the family and what we are going to talk about uh, is building a stronger family and I don't know where you are in the process of having a family we're all in different places but I know this that our church will only be as strong as our families are strong in the Lord and so I I don't want to uh, discourage anyone in fact I want to encourage you now, when in order to do that, we've all got to believe that there's, there's hope wherever we are at in the process of family. For some, it is very much in the middle of parenting children, uh, husband, wife, children in the home, and we're right in the middle of still being engaged in making daily decisions about our children. And, uh, and then for others, it might be you're in that grandparent stage, and you're parenting children still, but maybe more from a mentoring place, there are yet others who are uh, single, and you're looking one day to get married, and that's an exciting thought, and you want to do it right. And so there's some things that God is going to show you. There are others that are engaged. We had like three engaged families at the 9 o'clock service. I looked out and saw three engaged couples, and and I thought, well, they're getting closer and closer. We just had two weddings this week, and we had two funerals this week two homegoing services this week which reminds us of family you know two of our church family members went to be with their heavenly family and every one of us who know Jesus have a family called the family of God and so we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and so we have a church family uh, rather we have a, a rather a, a heavenly family we have a church family we have a family family you know and uh, so there's a lot of different ways that This message will apply, but I'm asking you to concentrate. I'm asking for everybody in the building this morning and over the next few weeks to really ask God what he would have you to take away from this series. Every single message prayerfully will have something that God will convict you about, that God will teach you, that God will show you through his spirit. And uh, ultimately, we're going to ask him to remodel us to fix some broken pieces, to paint some walls that are kind of becoming a little bit dim, uh, to, to get some of the mold out, uh, to, to, to get some of the stains out of our homes. And, and when I say home, I'm speaking of family, and we'll look at that in just a moment in the Word of God. And so Psalm chapter 127, this is a very, very simple message, if you will. Uh, I, I wanted to start off with a foundational message and so this is a phenomenal passage of Scripture. Now let me say something about Psalm 127. You can build your life off of this chapter. It's one of those rare chapters in Scripture where this, these few verses contain so much about family, about life. And it's a very simple passage, and this is a simple message, but let's begin the series focusing on building a stronger family and what are the foundational principles that we need to apply to our to our homes to, to do that. So we're going to focus on the first two verses, okay? Verse 1 and 2. But today, let's read the entire chapter. And the good news is, it's just five simple verses. Are you ready? Let's read those together, beginning in verse 1, and then we'll begin to teach and, and preach God's perfect word. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, But in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward, as arrows. Are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So let's begin with this this morning. Five foundational statements about building a stronger family. Let's begin with this thought. Number one, only the Lord can build a family. Only the Lord can build a family. Do you see that in verse number 1? The first few words. Except the Lord build the house. There are no exceptions to this first principle. None. There's no exceptions to this first foundation of building a strong family. Only the Lord can build a home. Only the Lord can build a family. You know, there's many times in Scripture where the word house is not talking about a literal structure. We're not talking here about, when we say house or home, we're not talking about a foundation of concrete and walls of wood and sheetrock and carpet and paint. We're talking about a family. So many times in Scripture, the Word of God speaks about a house not as a physical structure, but as the family, especially in the book of Proverbs. How about a couple examples, Proverbs chapter 24 in verse 3, notice on the screen, and maybe you can mark this in the margin of your notes in further study this week, through wisdom is an house builded, but we're not talking about building a house with physical blueprints and and all of that, we're talking about a family, we're talking about a home, a, a, a family that consists of people, a husband, a wife, and children, and others. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. One more in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, her home, her family. But the foolish? Well, she plucketh it down with her hands. And so we learn quickly. Church, it is impossible to build a home, to build a family without God. It is impossible. In fact, not only is it impossible, it is painful to do that. You know, when you pastor a church for 23 years, you see a lot of devastation come to families. 23 years is a long time to be in one place. It's a blessed thing to stay somewhere, it really is. I'm so thankful I've been here for 23 years, but in staying for this long, I've seen a lot of pain in families. I've seen a lot of devastation in families. I've seen a lot of splits in families and divorce and we've seen a lot of heartache and suffering and pain why because we find that when we try to build our house apart from God things happen and it's devastating and I find myself one of the heartaches of of pastoring and of the ministry is that it's just it's seeing people hurt being that people that attend church People that sit in the pew. People that actually come and attend faithfully and yet their homes explode. We're going to learn beginning next week that sitting in a pew in church is not going to build a strong family. It's part of it. It's an element of it, a very small element of it. So much more to building a family than sitting in a pew one or two or three or four times weak you see building a strong family is much more than that what the good news is this though that God is still building families he's still in the business of restoring families that's why we're calling this a family remodel we're going to talk about how we can repair our homes how we can fix some of the things up that maybe have not gone well God is restoring families God is doing phenomenal things in the lives of families sitting in this room And there are people who God wants to begin to do a work that you never thought could ever be done again. There's a work that God wants to do. You've got to believe that by faith. Everyone here has to buy into that by faith. That thought is that God wants to restore my family. God wants to improve my family. God wants my family to be stronger. Beginning with the pastor's family. God wants my family to be stronger. I've got to believe that. And so I'm by faith trusting that God is going to use this message and three other messages to remodel my home. So number one, only the Lord can build a family. Number two, trying to build a family without God is useless. Let's go a step further. Not only only can the Lord build the family, but when we try to do it without God, we find it is useless. And that's what the verse goes on to say. Notice, if you would, verse 1 again in Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house. Listen to this, church. They labor Here are people who are laboring They are working They're they're not sitting around doing nothing They're laboring, but they're just doing a lot of it without God And so guess what? All their labor, all their work, all their effort is in vain It's a strong word The word means useless I went to study that word from a biblical perspective And found it to really blow the word up in my heart and mind in my study Here it is It's in your notes the definition of vain, it's strong. No matter how much effort you put out, it produces nothing. Man, I don't know if I like that definition. Because I'm a doer. I'm a get done done kind of guy. I like to put forth a lot of effort. I mean, I like to pull up my sleeves and get up early and get it done and work hard all day. I mean, that's just my nature. I mean, hey, there's a lot of men who kind of feel the weight of the responsibility. And so what we do is we tend at times to, to, to have kind of that attitude. And yet God says, when you do that without God, you can work, you can labor, you can put forth all kinds of effort. But according to this verse, it is useless. No matter how much effort you put out, it produces nothing. With that said, let me give you three Ways we try to build our families without God. And again, this is just from a pastor's perspective. After 23 years, I've seen this happen, number one, through human effort. Through human effort. When we try to build our families through human effort... We do it without God and we find it is useless. I'm gonna work sixty hours a week. I'm gonna work as many jobs as I have to work. I'm gonna make sure my kids have everything they need, everything they want. They're gonna get a good education. I'm gonna make sure we get a big house or a nice house and a car, and we're gonna go on awesome vacations. And I mean we're just gonna get it done. We're gonna have a great time. I and mean, I'm telling you, my kids are gonna make good grades. I'm gonna make sure they get good grades, and I'm gonna be right up in their grill all the time saying, you know, how are your grades doing? How are you doing? What are you doing? You need to get a job, and I'm gonna make sure my wife understands it's gonna take a lot of work on her part too but we're going to get this thing done i'm going to make it happen i'm going to push my wife i'm going to push my kids i'm going to push myself and at the end of the day after all that work it produces nothing secondly we find that through human wisdom it's vain Why would we turn to the world for answers on how to raise our families? But that's what we've done. So many have come to me with these statements and these philosophies that are so worldly. The world says, the world's wisdom says, don't don't spank your children. Don't spank your little children. Don't, Don't do that. God's wisdom says differently. The world's wisdom says don't choose their friends for them. Don't be involved. Listen, just send them off to school and they're going to meet who they're going to meet and it's just, it's just what's happens is going to happen. Don't set boundaries for them in the area of music or movies or media. Don't get involved in their lives like that. Hey, and for sure, just, just give them condoms. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. Just make sure they're protected when it happens. That's what the world's wisdom says that's what people that i know some that i've pastored even in this era have said this is how we're raising our children that's what the world says thirdly when we try to build our families without god oftentimes it's we go through human resources Human effort, human wisdom, and then human resources. This is where we say, let's just make lots of money and give our children everything they want. And by making lots of money, it's going to take care of every problem they could have had because we're going to give them all the things materialistically that they would ever want and make sure they've got things. And through human resources, we find at the end of the day, having everything still isn't enough. I read this article from a Christian lady just recently, and I thought it would be appropriate to read right here in the message on building stronger families. Robin Williams had it all. Notoriety, meaningful work, lots of money, a stellar career, a wife who adored him, close friends, a good reputation, the joy of helping needy people, yet alone and despondent, he hung himself in his bedroom. Also, the news reported that police found a pocket knife close to his body that he used to self-inflict superficial injuries. Nobody's laughing now as people search for answers. The truth is that Robin Williams didn't have it all. From what we know, he didn't have Jesus or a relationship with his creator and that empty God-sized vacuum within him swallowed up all that other stuff like a black hole. All the other stuff wasn't enough. She said, I know because I've been in that dark place too. Depression is a beast that takes you places you never thought you would go and do things you never thought you would do. But in the grips of depression, you hurt so bad and your thinking is so skewed that you commit outrageous acts often to yourself in my 20s before I found the Lord and even early into my Christian journey I battled depression. and was raised in a pagan home which saddled me with wrong thinking and deep pain I made poor choices in my early years I bought into the lie that we evolved out of something out of slime and, and are only here for a short time so grab what you can I desperately wanted to be loved and for my, and, and, and for my life to make a difference but it was clueless and Foolish, I, had done business, I hadn't done business with the demons in my life. And if, it, if Jesus had not rescued me, I probably would have ended up like Robin Williams. But thank you, God. My neighbor, two doors down, cared enough to befriend me and to invite me to a woman's Bible study small group. At the time, I was a mess. Dave and I were married. My two, I had two beautiful daughters, but I had no idea how to be a wife or, or, or how to be a parent my dear father had just lost his five-year battle with cancer and I was cycling between days of depression and days where I could function I loved my husband and those two girls more than life itself but I couldn't figure life out thus many weekends I spent glued to a living room chair immobilized as I sunk deeper and deeper into despair this dark night of the soul the place where I came to the end of myself was exactly what prepared me for the beauty of God his word and the woman who used to pull me out of that canyon of terror a small group of women where God placed me in that Bible study encircled me with care. Interestingly, for the next six years, my children were never sick on Bible study day. Little by little, the depression lifted as I learned that although my mother did not love me, that God loved me. And he became my perfect parent. As I studied the scriptures, I learned wisdom, skill in everyday living, and I became a voracious reader of divine literature and books by godly Christian authors. They all mentored me. Fifteen years later, I was leading women, leading a woman's Bible study and attending seminary to become a Bible teacher. What a testimony. See, the truth of the matter is what she found out in time was what so many never find out, and that is having it all just isn't enough. We see this happen all the time in the sports world and in the entertainment world and even in our own community. We see the suicide rates are climbing to heights. Uh, Just just, just this week, a, a millionaire businessman jumped from like the 27th story of his luxury apartment and landed on the concrete beneath him, freaking out people all around him. Not because he didn't have everything, but because he didn't have Jesus, which is everything. And so building a family without God is impossible. It's devastating. It's painful. Number three. And this is a tough one for me to speak on because, man, I've struggled with this one. I've struggled with accepting this, that only the Lord can protect a family. Only the Lord can protect a family. But let's go to the text again. And and again in verse number 1, except the Lord build the house, only the Lord can build a family. They labor in vain that build it. uh, Trying to build a family without God is useless. Except the Lord keep the city. Now, for just a moment, let's talk about what it would have been like back then. Why would they say, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain? What's all that about? A watchman staying awake, building a city? What what, what is that all about? You see, back then, what would happen is cities would be protected by huge walls all around the city. I'm sure you've heard of the walls of Jericho and other walls that were built back then around cities, large cities, cities with thousands and tens of thousands of people. And so here was a wall around a city, and there was a guard, a guard like like you, man, a guard, a watchman. Here he was on the wall, right? What did he have to do to watch? He had to stay awake. Couldn't go to sleep. Why? Because the safety. Of all of these people were in his hands. If he went to sleep, all these people could potentially be killed or harmed, or or the city could be destroyed because the enemy was there, and and he was there to to watch on that wall to make sure that the city was protected. And so the watchman had to stay awake. One problem with that, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman, the dad, the husband, the mom, the wife, she stays awake in vain. That parent who thinks it all depends on you to protect your family, to protect your children. Listen, I realize there are things that we need to teach our children. I'm not saying it's wrong to to teach our kids things that can protect them like looking both ways before you cross a street, or don't touch that hot iron or that hot stove. And there's things that we teach our children, no question about that. Please do not uh, confuse my preaching and teaching with that. I'm just simply saying I believe we have churches and Christian homes full of overprotective parents, parents who have taken matters into their own hands parents who have decided that it all really rests on their shoulders. And if we, as parents, think that somehow we can protect our kids from all the pain of life, please listen to this. You're not going to be able to do that. That's not going to happen. In, in just three weeks, I'll take off on a missions trip. I'll be gone for 10 days, and I just want this church to know, except the Lord protect my wife while I'm gone, I, I can put a security system in. I can pay the security bill. I can give her a gun that's loaded by her bed and show her how to shoot it. But except the Lord protect my house, except the Lord protect my wife. Unless the Lord protects my kids when they're out of my sight, well, I'm never going to let my children out of my sight. I homeschool them. I watch them every moment of the day. I've got, and that's all good. I'm not against any of that. Homeschool, Great, praise the Lord I, I can see in the Bible where that's a good thing to do And all of those things are great But parents who feel as if it's their responsibility To make sure their kid never gets out of their sight And watches every move they make Listen, you are taking on a responsibility That you can't do by yourself Except the Lord protects your kids Unless the Lord protects my family's health Unless the Lord does that Unless the Lord protects my family. Listen, we must live our lives with humble dependence upon God because in a moment everything could change. Our family has not had the luxury of having great health. We've had lots of health issues. We've had my wife at the point of, of death on several occasions. We have a daughter that's very, very unusually sick last night. We stayed up all night with our daughter and a bloody nose that happens often and you live with the light on and you are constantly watching to make sure that she doesn't bleed without, because she can't stop it herself and all of these things that take place and, and that just happens. The Lord allows that into our lives. And we with humble dependence need to say, God, you are in control because in a moment everything could change. I have a really good friend who next week at UAMS will They'll cut his brain open, his head open They'll take a tumor out of his brain And they will keep him awake And we've been texting back and forth and, and communicating together about this i have him on the prayer line this week He said, I went in, just had a headache And wow Now I have a tumor And it's crazy how they're going to take this thing out And they tell me that if some, something doesn't go right I could, I could never speak again Everything can change in a moment. Before you start taking matters in your own hands and telling me about all of your pills and and potions and things that you know would have kept him from getting that tumor, just remember, it's in vain when you try to protect yourself from every one of life's harms. Harm comes. Life happens. Things happen. And accept the Lord protect us. Accept the Lord protect us. I think about the pastor that preached our college graduation, Herb Lusk. I don't know how many of you got to attend the graduation, but he was a great, great speaker, a pastor in Philadelphia, a church of 2,000 people and in the inner city. And it's really miraculous what God has done through this former running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he just did a great job of preaching his heart out. And, and, and we were all blessed by it and moved by it, his passion for God and all the things that God's allowed him to do. But what nobody knew in the audience was that for the past 20 years his wife has been under 24 hour medical attention her mind was lost several years ago 20-25 years ago and she now lives in a somewhat of a vegetative state I told you that to say that was a pastor of a church of a successful church that was a godly man who that happened to his wife are you listening We just have to sometimes depend on God's sovereign hand. Nothing happens before it passes through a sovereign God's hand. If he allows it, if he allows it. If he prevents it, he prevents it. God doesn't say that things won't happen to us. But I'll tell you what God does promise. And if you look on the screen, you'll be very, very encouraged by this. Go to the next line. God's promises to us, sufficient strength. That's what God promises. Sufficient strength in every heartache and fullness of joy in every per, to every person that will live in total dependence upon Him. That's what God promises. God doesn't promise us that everything's going to go smoothly and perfectly and, and if we just do this, 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 and this and take matters in our own hands nothing will happen to our children, nothing will happen to our families, nothing will happen to our wives. No, God just says, you are going to have things happen. Heartache is going to come, but I will give you sufficient strength to handle that. So I have a question for you. Are you trying to do it yourself? Are you trying to do it yourself because without God, you cannot build a strong family? Are you busy laboring to make sure that you've got everything taken care of and you're in charge and you're in control? Or has there come a time in your life where you've just said, God, I can't do this. I'm totally depending on you. Let me give you four things that happen when we're not depending on God as I see it. First thing that happens, at least to me, is anger. Anger. And the Bible tells us that we sh- there's really no place for anger in our homes and we can provoke our children with anger and we come home after we've been trying to get it done all day and working so hard and what are we? We're edgy guys, aren't we? And we got a little bit of an attitude and if we're not careful, we're, we, we snap and snip constantly about little things. Why? Because we're just tired. We've been doing things on our own and we tend to be angry because we've just done it all. And I think we ought to live by this principle. Do your best and then let God do the rest. Do your best and let God do the rest. The second thing is anxiety. We've talked about anxiety a lot over the past few weeks. Anxiety is something that happens to us when, when we take matters into our own hands and we begin to worry and we covered all the bases and we're constantly calling and texting, where are you? What's going on? And, 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 I, and we've got to know everything. We've got to know where you are. And, and we get so worried and so anxious. We begin to jump to conclusions and We deal with blood pressure issues and that course turns to anger and thirdly, impatience. Impatience. This is the person that says, I'm totally trusting on God to do this as long as he does it today. God does it today, I'm okay. God, don't don't make me wait a week. Don't make me wait nine months. Don't, Don't make me wait, God. I've got to know right now and then finally, emptiness. And this is where Robin Williams was. Totally depleted. Just wasted. And at a place where he he just gave up. And I see a lot of people just giving up. I see a lot of Christian families just giving up. And we kind of throw in the towel. And we, we don't get engaged. And we don't want to turn over the apple cart. We don't want to get back involved. We don't want try to try to help any We just sort of say, you know what, I've, I've, done, I've done everything, I just, I'm, I'm just tired, I'm giving up. And we don't just give up on our efforts, we give up on God's efforts, we just give up. We drop out of church and before long, we find ourselves totally depleted. Now I want you to look at verse 2 real quickly with me, because verse 2 is an interesting verse. It says some things that I, I don't know that I quite understood without a little help and without some some understanding of, of what did he mean when he said it is vain to rise up early. In the context of family, in the context of home, what is God saying? It's vain to rise up early? Now, first of all, let me say this. This is not an injunction to sleeping in. This is is an injunction against getting up early without spending time with God (laughs) and thinking you can take care of things by yourself. It's vain to wake up early. Listen, let me say this next to that. You can't do enough. There's not enough day for you to do everything you need to do. And so we get up early and we roll up our sleeves. That's me. And we say, let's get it done. I'm ready for the day. I've got a lot to do today, and I'm going to do all of this stuff, and I'm going to be the greatest pastor and the greatest dad and the greatest husband. I can do this. And God says, it's vain to wake up early if you think you can do it without me. It's vain. Number two, it says, it's vain for you to, to sit up late. It's vain to rise up early. It's vain to sit up late. Now, every commentary that I studied said this is referring to, to learning, to studying. It's vain to sit up late. Sit up late and do what? Sit up late and read. Sit up late and study. Sit up late and get in front of the computer and learn more. Well, I, I do my work when the family goes to sleep. I stay up, and I work, and I read, and I study, and I learn more. And so what we do is we learn as much as we can about as many things as we can. And not only can you not do enough, you can't learn enough. You can't learn enough. In fact, sleeplessness is an epidemic in our country. There are one billion pounds of drugs a year purchased to assist in going to sleep. In 1977, in America, there were three sleep disorder clinics. Three, total, in 50 states. 20 years later, in 97, there were 330 sleep disorder clinics. And now sleep disorders are an epidemic. And I'm not talking about those of you who have a legitimate medical situation. I'm talking about so many who it's not a medical situation. You're just trying to do too much. You're getting up early. and You're staying up late. You're not getting enough sleep. And then finally it says, it's vain to get up early. It's vain to sit up late. It's Fain to eat the bread of sorrows? What's that all about? Eat the bread of sorrows. Here is someone who cares, but you can't care too much. Listen, so many parents, they care to the point of despair. They give everything. They try everything. They, they give it all. They, they give the time. They give the money. They, and then they finally come to the place where they just say, you know what, I've done everything I can do, and it's still not working. And finally they get down to where all they have left is bread. They've given everything. They've lost it all because they cared. And the only thing they've got left to put on their bread, no peanut butter, no jelly, all we got left is sorrow. So we take what little we've got left because we've just cared so much and we eat the bread of sorrows. A lot of people that have done a lot, learned a lot, cared a lot, worked at it, worked at it, worked at it. But here's what God says he wants to do for every one of us. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, my wife tells me, Honey, You are the most incredible sleeper of all time. You can go and go and go, but when you hit that bed, it's over. And you don't wake up till the alarm goes off. Well, at 50, you do wake up a couple of times a night, and you guys know what I'm talking about. TMI, too much information. I loves me some good sleep Mm. nothing like it and I've just found I love my son Mo here but I couldn't do enough I just couldn't do enough I was was an engaged dad but I I, I just couldn't do enough I, I couldn't learn enough about being a good parent I couldn't care enough I had to depend on God to raise a boy like that And he had to go through some struggles. And just like Joe will and has and Zoe will and has and Chloe will and has, I'm going to do my best and leave the rest up to God and get me some sleep. I mean, I'm going to bed. Because that's what God wants me to do. He gives his beloved sleep go to sleep I got this God says I got that what are you doing staying up like go to bed what are you doing rising up early you need some more sleep get you some sleep I give my beloved sleep can I get an amen trust God and lay down and go to sleep you can't do enough you can't learn enough you can't care enough now this passage is not condemning human effort it's condemning human effort apart from God big difference now back to our notes and i'll close you say well pastor you know i i'd I'd like to build a strong family and i'm interested in what you have to say for the rest of the of the time but you know i don't know really that that god is in my life i'm not sure really that i know what you're talking about when when you when you talk about being saved when when, when, when sinking deep into what? God's presence. What's, what's that all about? Number four, invite the Lord into the center of your life. To build a strong family, you've got to invite God into the center of your life. You can't have God in your home before you have God in your life. You can put a scripture above the mantle. You can put a verse above the front door. You can do a lot of neat little things, but that's not inviting God in your life. The way you invite God into your life is as easy as A, B, C. A is to accept the fact that you're a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone's a sinner, and accept that fact. It's an easy fact to accept. We know we're sinners. I know that I'm a sinner. You've got to believe that. Accept that. Number two... A-B. B B is this. Believe that God has provided for your forgiveness. And here's how he's done it. He sent his son to die and pay the penalty for your sin. Believe that. you got a penalty on your sin. I've got a penalty on my sin, which means separation from God forever. I deserve to die and go to hell. But I believe that God sent His only begotten Son. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And then C. A, B, C. C, confess. Confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Here's how Scripture tells us to do it. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, confess with your mouth Jesus Christ believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be here it is saved saved means I'm inviting God in my life that's saved if you've never been saved you've never invited God in your life and you can do that today in just a moment number five if you are saved then invite Christ into the center of your home if He is in the center of your life, it doesn't mean He's in the center of your home. And that's my concern. My concern is that we have a lot of people that have invited God into the center of their life, and, and, they, and they sit in church, and, and they've listened to a lot of sermons, but yet we find ourselves still really not, not doing it with God's help. Not depending on God, still trying with human effort, human wisdom, and human resources caring and working and doing and find ourselves, it's in vain. I want to speak, if I could, for just a moment to everybody in this room who needs to invite Christ into your life. In just a moment, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to pray and ask Jesus Christ into your life. That's the first step to having a strong family is you've got to have Jesus Christ in your life. Then I'm going to talk Pray over our church family. Who you have Jesus in your life, but you, you need Him more in the center of your home. Like devotions, things we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Prayer time. You know, God being the centerpiece of everything in my life. How does church become more than just a check on the box of things to do? How do I get involved? How does small group impact my family? How does how does kids' church and how do I how do I just cover my life with God and Jesus and the Bible and prayer and God, I, I, I've got to have God. I want more of God and less of me. More of God and less of me. How do I turn this over to God? We're going to talk about that. How to raise godly kids. How to, how to remodel our homes. How to be better dads. Rand did this thing on Father's Day, Dad. So seatbelts on June 21st. I mean, man up. It's time to become men of God. So, how do we do this? Well, we've got to pray. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, my first prayer...